Hello, hello, hello. I am Reverend Monika Bowman, and this is the dynamic Dr. Aisha Francis, and this is Chili Grits Podcast, Podcast, where we talk about all things Southern Saints and talk about how it has influenced our lives as leaders and our professional growth and trajectory. Yes, and we're here for season two. Really excited to be back. So today's phrase is being led by Reverend Monika Bowman. So what are we talking about today? So this is going to be one where it'll be interesting to see how we write it out. (laughs) So Aisha, have you heard the term or have anyone ever told you before, you don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's really not been said to me. So this is where the classism is going to come in. But it's more of a an assessment of someone's value and what they like, you know, yes. they don't have a pot to throw in, you know, a, a pot. So this is the, this is the, um, the shorthand, right? That they don't have a pot nor window. Yeah. So we're, we're going to write it up that way. Yeah. They don't have a, because, you know, <laughs> other little, terms you know, are, it's a um, little pearl clutching. Yes. Are not considered, um, not considered proper words yes. to say, but you know, so that's how it came out in my upbringing. It was they don't have a pot nor a window. Well, we, we said the whole phrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh, yeah. So, we're gonna leave with this whole phrase, but I'm more than happy to like move it to for the conversation. Yes, a pot and a window. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, where in the world did this come from? So, I did a little digging, yes. and the Oxford English Dictionary defines not to have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of um, is to be penniless Mm. and to not have no money or resources. This is a direct quote. No money. (laughs) No No money. money. (laughs) Not have no money. money. (laughs) Um, The dictionary says it is slain that originated in the United States. Um, It was an, it was, the earliest writing of it actually came from this author, June Barnes, from the novel Nightwood. So what was interesting about hmm. June Barnes was she was an American artist and illustrator, journal- journalist, um, and writer who is perhaps best known for, of course, this, this novel, Nightwood. And it was evidently a cult classic of lesbian fiction and an important work of art for modern literature. Interesting. I know. (laughs) So, okay. So, So why I thought that was interesting, Aisha, is because, okay, I'm just gonna call a thing a thing Mm -hmm. as we go through and have these conversations. I would say that um, my community growing up, and maybe you could say historically the African-American community has not been the most affirming when it comes to LGBTQ at all. Community. Community at yep. all, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is not my values, just want to say that. Right. However, what I find interesting about words and the evolution of phrases and mm-hmm. words is that a lot of times we pick up these things and not realize the communities and people that have given us things that have yeah. shaped our lives. Where it's coming from. And mm-hmm. so when I think about this in the context of where I grew up and I heard it, like probably the average person would not know of Miss Barnes and that the words that she spoke about, 
you know, was in the context of this literature that was very empowering or gave voice to um, the lesbian community. Interesting. That is interesting. I, I did not know that connection to to the saying at all. And I think too for our for few for for you know current generations and maybe the generation before, not even really thinking about the connection to a chamber pot and maybe even Ooh. knowing what a chamber pot is, yeah. things literally don't make sense. If yes. you don't understand, you this don't, is from yes. a time when there was no plumbing. And right. so what you would use is a chamber pot. So yes. that is the pot yes. that they are referring to. And you would, because, you know, again, before sewage yes. uh, systems, you would just dump it out, it out. <laughs> the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. so, you know, just to kind of put out that, um, sense of just cultural relevance about you know the industrial revolution and sanitation and things of of that nature and access to plumbing access to to sewage and and when I grew up um actually I mean I claim Nashville and I am from Nashville but but my my home my parents my mom we lived in Hendersonville which was Mm -hmm. a different county was in some in Sumner County and I remember the sewer line coming through in Hendersonville because we had a septic we had a septic tank yes Uh, and so that was you know very common I don't even know if people up here have septic tanks so we had one and you had to put the red x in it because it would you know it would back up if you didn't treat it properly and you, you had to you know use um you know, it was it was a gentle system, I would just yes. say, but it worked. And when the sewer line came through, it was mandatory. You had to connect and it was expensive. It is. It's yeah. very it's expensive. Project. And to answer your question about here, a lot of people that's not deeply immersed in all things land use may mm-hmm. not know this, but there's a huge chunk of Massachusetts that use septic systems. Uh, it was actually. OK, this is my this is my. Maybe my bias and some fact. Roped in together. Yes, Uh pulled together. But in a lot of communities, um, there are these choices that were made because they don't want the density. Oh, so they don't want sewer systems. They don't want the sewer. So if you look at the Cape, Uh um, it's a lot of septic there. Because, you know, it it was a a strategic choice. Mm -hmm. And it keeps um, low density because in order to have, you know, a community like a Cambridge or a Boston Lawrence, you you have to have a sewer system, yeah, yeah because yeah. the septic system also requires um, a pretty sizable piece of land because yes. you have to have somewhere for it to live for the yes. tank to live, yeah, and the cleaning and the cleaning the process, yes. and so at any rate, we are it's like okay, so um, yes. but yes, so this language piece that you just shared it also makes me think about the cultural appropriation mm. that happens because of social media, and I'm yeah. thinking particularly and I'm. I was trying to find her name. Um, there was a, a, a black um, female teenager who coined the phrase on fleek. Yeah, you oh, know, my yeah, eyebrows yeah, on, fleek. on fleek. Remember yeah, her? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it was, um, I think she was a makeup artist. And so she was talking about her eyebrows. And then next thing you know, on fleek was all over the place. Yeah. And people monetized that phrase mm. and she coined it. Mm. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I do think that there are a lot of times when we divorce the origin story of a really catchy phrase or something that really pinpoints a moment in our cultural history. Um, and so I'm glad that that's not happening now. So yeah. thank you for raising the the true uh, or, you know, at least one of the early um, sort of recordings of, of the it. phrase being yeah. written. Yeah, it was later. So later on, people people have like 
taken it, right? Right. And so it also said that um, 20 years later, there was another version um, where it was written in another novel, and it, it this was more geared towards women. And it said, a woman must be crazy to take up a loafer that ain't got a pot to piss in, nor a window to throw it out of. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so this is where like getting into like the cultural piece mm-hmm. um, kind of ties in. Where, you know, I've been very transparent. I, you know, I did not grow up with tons of resources. One was, hey, Poe. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Um, I have to say that every time, y'all. Just work right. with me. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because a couple of things. Like, I would hear, I would hear the phrase, right? And yeah. sometimes people would say it at me now see that's just rude well yeah it is rude you know but you know it's 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 interesting and even when it wasn't said to me Mm -hmm. i i felt it and so i'll give an example this is really a gross story but um um from an emotional perspective um so when i was in high school um there was this time every year where the school would have to identify all the kids that lived in public housing. Mm-hmm. And so what they would do, and they did that because they would get federal dollars. Um, for how many? For how many. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so what would happen is an announcement would go over on the intercom and they, seriously, Aisha. <laughs> Tell me I know. no, say it's not true. Okay, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> That's for you guys listening. You 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 just need to see her face. This is this. really horrible. It's going down, right? Yeah, it's going down a, a, a bad place. But they would list out every single public housing facility in the city of Lake Charles, Louisiana, and every kid would have to do the walk of shame. That's horrible. And walk to the office as if they didn't have they this didn't information know. from last year, right? You know, and so you would have to do the walk of shame to the office and your 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 friends are giggling and laughing at you like oh you just, live in the pj yeah all oh of that God. it was pretty it was clearly i'm talking about it like you even know, now you yeah, remember that that burning years. searing yeah. feeling oh that's so terrible it's just like that whole the culture around it so that was like the shame around it but there's also this piece around um understanding it mm-hmm. like understanding i'm like oh i need a pot and I want a window. <laughs> right. Whatever that is, <laughs> Whatever I want that. Is, like, yeah. I want it because, like, the feeling of not having the basic necessities yeah. of life did not feel good. Mm-hmm. And even at a young age, when I didn't have the language or full understanding of the phrase that surrounded me, yes. Um, the feeling of not having enough mm-hmm. was ever present. So, Monika, thank you for sharing that. Um, it makes me think a couple of things. One, at least in the school systems that that our children are part of, I believe and I want to hope that we have come to a point where we know better and, yes. and do better. Yes. And But I hear a lot and read a lot about systems where there's still this punitive yeah. um, approach to wanting to identify people who have need yeah. and that could be library book finds yeah. um, or um, the, the lunch, uh, the, the, the free lunch, free lunch, right. Which is in, in our school system is available to everybody. In mass, they passed it. Yeah. yeah which recently, is terrific. Everyone has free lunch. So you don't yeah. have to be the one who gets the, the, 
card the punched. Card, yeah. Right. And I and remember growing yeah. up in a time when the people who had free lunch had a card and there, there would be like a hole puncher that the lunch lady would click. Um, and other people didn't have that. So there was just always this sense of difference. But one of the things that the conversation that you just shared um, and that anecdote brings to mind, and, and by that I mean the, the part where you're like whatever, whatever it means to not be in a situation where someone could point you out as somebody who yeah. didn't have a pie or window. I want the opposite of that. And from, um, you know, I'm always thinking about literature as an uh, African-American lit specialist. And so there is a whole narrative in Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye um, with uh, Pakola Breedlove and her family who were very, very um, poor, extremely under-resourced to the point that Pakola was homeless Mm. uh, for a time, right? So she was... um, taken in by another family in her neighborhood who knew that you know her family had fallen on hard times but and and everyone in this town um I think it was Ohio but everyone in the town you know had various degrees of means but no one was what we would call you know wealthy or well yeah, off yeah, okay yeah. but Claudia's family takes in Pacola and they're talking about economic circumstances to each other. Now, they're, they're 11, 12, 13 years old, um, mm. Claudia and Pacola and their friends. And and Claudia is explaining to Pacola sort of like the difference between being broke and being just down and out, right? Mm. So, so there's a well, difference. How did she explain it? <laughs> so being put outdoors mm. meant that you were homeless and you had nowhere to go. Okay. And that was the bottom of the barrel of the existence in in Claudia's mind. As she's talking about this difference, you know, it's a distinction between people who were renting and were so month to month or week to week that they might not know, you know, where they were going to go versus someone who either owned or maybe they rented, but they had like a whole year that they were able to put down. And so there's, um, and it's like Claudia is trying to describe this. And what she says is there's a difference between being put out and Mm. being put outdoors. If you're put out, you have somewhere else to go. Go. If you are outdoors, Mm. there is no place to go. And so to be put out is sort of like maybe there was an offense. You know, maybe maybe you stole something from the the border because, you know, boarding houses and rooming houses were popular in this setting in this time that that the the bluest eye was written. And so they put you out. So you just had to go find another boarding house. Mm. You know, that's that's different than being put outdoors. And so that's the, the the two terms. Terms. And so I, I think about that in the context of this particular phrase is, you know, I think not having a pot or a window that's being put outdoors, you yeah, know, that's that's yeah. pretty meager in yeah. terms of the resources available to you because you don't have facilities. Right. And right. and that's what, you know, just thinking about the, the literal terms, like you don't have a place to use the to bathroom yeah, 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 <laughs> and, to, yes, and to be. Yes, yes. So um, just, you know, it, it comes up in literature and life and, and yeah. all of these things. I think it takes new meaning in um, this digital social media world mm-hmm. <laughs> that we live in because I'm always mindful because that phrase was, it was, it was a part of my 
my childhood um, and as I grew and evolved into an adult, which the internet did with us, right? Yeah, like we're yeah. part of that tail end generation X, mm-hmm. you know, so that evolution is there. So I think it's interesting now where, you know, whenever I log on and I've had this conversation with Aisha since I left like public office and I don't I don't know what I am online anymore. So <laughs> many people are seeing me work through that right now. <laughs> but in that space, there there is a way in which people show up mm-hmm. that leaves many to question for me that comes back to a pot in a window. Right. Mm. And I get the why behind mm-hmm. it, because you always want to project, you know, as it relates to where you want to go and where you want to be. But we've kind of created this like this this world that was really different before the world of internet when you project an image right so you're talking about like fake it till you make it kind of well it's kind of like you present yourself as the person that has the thing that has it all together yeah that Mm -hmm. has it all together that has the resources you can go on all your fancy vacations right and like no no just i like fancy vacations right so no no shade (laughs) yeah i like a fancy vacation Mm -hmm. but like you you project out to the world something that may not be the reality of your life. Okay, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to a pot and a window, right? right? Just a digital version mm-hmm. of it. And I'm always really mindful of that, um, like how I show up, right? And it's not necessarily about, you know, the materialism behind mm-hmm. it. It's about even where you are in your career trajectory. Because sometimes we present ourselves in a way that doesn't show the struggle, Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes along with making it to the the ex- pinnacle moment, yeah, whatever that is. Or yeah. right, you you the fancy photos, right? Mm-hmm. And no one knows the story behind the fancy photos, right? And it may look shiny and beautiful, but it may not be. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and that was just a moment. It was. A, it was a moment, <laughs> and it could be very staged and manufactured. Yes, but and see, and I think that's the struggle. When I think about this term and the evolution of it in a digital world, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it, it's it's not the septic system, literal piece of it is the way in which we manufacture our stories and our yeah. lives in a way that does not hold true to where you are. So oftentimes, you know, you ask a pot do they have a pot in a window like is this real or am i and then it makes you feel bad am i is it all curated and and manufactured and you you never really know you never you don't (laughs) it's all all a make-believe world what is is that nat king cole song it's a only a paper moon okay never mind i'll I'll come to the lyrics i'm gonna look up these lyrics right you know (laughs) um but the point is that everybody's kind of living these make-believe you know fantasies and portraying themselves as more together, you know, than they are. And and probably I would say a lot of us have the moments, at least maybe it is. I don't know if it's professional, maybe if you take it out of the economic place of it all that, you know, we're in the place where we don't have a pot in a window, right? We don't really know the way, but we still have to project to know the way. Yep, we do. I think, you know, I, I don't know. Do need to think about that um I definitely believe in situational faking it till you make it 
Oh, me too. Let's and, be very clear. <laughs> yes. And I also believe that there's almost like a certain phrases can 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 be contagious and until you know it, it can sometimes be a good thing. So for instance, I really um I won't say reject, but I dislike imposter syndrome mm. because I don't think that it was something that I that I really felt very often. And now, you know, you go around folks like we all have imposter syndrome. I'm like, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't claim that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. There might be moments when you have situational insecurity. But yes. does everything have to, to have like a syndrome? That's just it, a yeah. heavy from, from from my perspective. That is a heavy label mm-hmm. to sort of own. And it, and there's another um there's another phrase. What is the 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 quiet quitting oh right like oh you know the quiet quitting and i'm like i don't know if that's quiet quitting or you just setting workplace boundaries so that you're not working you know 20 hours a day and only getting paid to work eight hours a day that's i don't know that that's quiet quitting but (laughs) anyhow um as as a person who loves language i think being able to name things is really important yeah and we should always, I, I believe, be careful about the names and the phrases that we own. Yeah. And, and just because you can wear something like, you know, a backpack and like baggage and start carrying it around. It's like, true. oh, I have it's imposter true. syndrome and I'm quiet quitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Maybe, maybe you're just, you know, 25 and haven't had a bunch of different experiences so if you come into a room with you know people who have particular titles maybe that's situationally intimidating that doesn't mean that you have imposter syndrome or that you necessarily want to take on that label yeah Yeah. anyway my little PSA for today yeah that's a good one (laughs) it's like where are these lines right yeah Where, where you how do you present yourself and show up in a way that then allows you to then be able to move without it feeling as if it is not real? Right. You right. know, like faking it till you make it. I believe you actually have the skills. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, like the fake it till you make it is really like dig in, get it and just just show up. Even right. if you're not 100 percent, you're 80. That's good enough. Let's roll. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But then there are these moments when it's just like, you know, trying to grow or be in a place that you're just not there yet. Right. And how do you give yourself permission it's so it sometimes it's okay not to have a pot in a window mm-hmm. because what it's going to do is set you up to work to think what do I need to do to strategic strategically position myself to be able to achieve the goals and things that I need. Right. And I think that sometimes in the world that we have evolved to, whereas this phrase was once something that was very physical, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's this from, you know, where we're taking this, or where I'm taking this conversation around, like this digital presence, right? Is the ability to give yourself the time and space to grow yeah. into the leader, the individual that you want to be, and not rushing there, mm-hmm. not rushing not the process where you are. Yeah. yeah, and and then how do you take whatever the hurdles that you've had and just you know build build on them? And and I love this the the thought that you just had of not being able to not forcing yourself to rush things because you know I come up with cooking analogies all the time but if you try to rush rice mm. you're just gonna mess up a dish you can't yeah, yeah. you know 
there's only so fast that it can cook. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that happens in, in leadership development too. Um, you know, that saying watch pot never boils. It's yeah. just some things you have to kind of walk away from it right. and, and come back. Yeah. And then, and then there's a readiness. Um, but I did find this, the lyrics to Paper Moon, um, which you know, I know it as a Nat King Cole song. It, 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 I don't know who originated it. Who is the OG of uh, Paper Moon? Somebody tell us. Let us know. Right. <laughs> but the the lyric is, um, they say it's only a paper moon sailing over a cardboard sea, mm. but it wouldn't be make believe if you believed in me. Mm. So that's how it goes. And so I think there's this piece of, you know, it depends on the the circumstances. You know, if you in the social media world, if everybody around you is propping up the the fantasy, then you actually might believe it. Like you have drank, you you drank the Kool-Aid, like you really believe it. Um, And but it's not make believe if you have enough people (laughs) who who are living in your world. And so that's why I like this, this, this. song and the, the the things that it's kind of brought forth for me yeah no it's true it's true and as we we round out this conversation it's um i read this really no i listened to this podcast the daily from new york times mm-hmm. and you know i'm about to time stamp our um our podcast right now we try not to do we, do, try, we do try we not to do we do, do seasonal yeah. things and try not to yeah but you know this was really important because um it's it's it was a podcast that was talking about 1948 and everything connected to the current conflict in Mm -hmm. in the middle east and i raised that because it was really well done because it talked about narrative Mm. and the narratives that get told on both sides of this conflict Mm -hmm. and how from a multi-generational perspective people believe the narrative, mm-hmm. right? And if people are holding strong to those narratives, then the these clashes take place. And they are inevitable based on the 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 the, the prevailing narratives. Yes, yes. And so if people aren't willing to walk away from those narratives, some that has truth to them and some that does not, mm-hmm. and it's on both sides of those stories then it creates the chaos that we are experiencing. And so, you know, when you think about all of this, like there are these places where you you can fake it till you make it and then you start to believe it and you achieve it and, right. you know, you excel. And then there's another side to it, mm-hmm. right? Where when you start to believe narratives in a way that can lead to um, destruction. Yeah. You know, and so, and I've been really reflecting on this a lot lately because I've been to the land that has, you know, been really greatly impacted right now. And in my theological studies, I often have really struggled with texts, particularly um, Old Testament texts, because it is a narrative. Mm-hmm. And and I, I am one, my theology is to believe that I co-create with God and at a certain time God people b- understood how God functioned in, a, in the world based on that time mm-hmm. and I have permission to look back and question and evolve from that time and so really being able to be reflective of like okay how does these words throughout time and history and the narratives and what we tell ourselves shape 
our communities at a smaller level or even ourselves Mm -hmm. at the smaller level and how does it shape um, a global community and I've been reflecting on it a lot since this conflict has um, broken out so storytelling is powerful it is it is and the stories outlast the people it does that is definitely definitely true and the the folks that that start the story like hence you know Miss Barnes here, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when she wrote that that novel, right? Would she have known a pot in a, a window um, would, would then, persist, would evolve yeah. the way it has and caught the imagination of people? So you know, storytelling matters, words matter, how we interpret them matters, and that is why we do Chili, Chili Grits, Grits Podcast. <laughs> Thank you all for being with us for episode two of season two. Yeah. Please send us your ideas for future sayings that you want us to cover and, um, you know, keep the comments coming. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I look forward. We're going to have a we're going to have a great season. And I believe it, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll catch you guys the next time. Bye. Bye.